bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's nice to be back in Minnesota, but you know the, the, the leaves are already turned. Boy, it happens faster. Or is it just that the older we get, it seems to happen faster? I don't know what that what that is. Um, I have been listening to Pastor Kevin's sermon on living in the light. It's a blessing. This online internet technology. I mean, I downloaded the past you know month and a half of his sermons and listen to them. Um, what a fabulous opportunity that is. And, and he talks about living authentically, without shame, without guilt, without fear, and, and encourages us in all those sermons to really look at our life, to look at the past, look at the present in, in the context of God's plan for us, how God wants us to get real. He says that often, get real, get honest, and get open. Um, and that's you know, so we can share the journey, journey not only so that we can grow personally, um, but so that through our journey, we can help others grow, that we can encourage others, that we can empower our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ uh, with all those lessons that we've learned along the way. Now, you know as well as I do that some of us, it takes a little bit longer to learn the lessons God wants us to learn. Um, Some of us have to learn that lesson over and over. Not anybody here, I'm sure. I'm me. Over and over and over again. And God will frequently use very creative methods you know, to teach us lessons, won't he? Very creative ways. Um, I'm going to give you an example of that. I love to, to help people learn to write or to empower them to write or to encourage them on their, on their writing journey. And I teach at several writers' conferences to do that. And one of my favorite conferences that I teach at is the Jerry Jenkins Christian Writers Guild. For those of you that, that might not know, Jerry's had you know, a, a modicum of success with a little-known book series called Left Behind. <laughs> He's, uh, he has a, an entire conference that he, that, that he has coordinated. And you know, one year I was teaching there, not, just not so long ago, and I got so sick the day before so sick you know that sick you know that where you just want somebody to shoot you you know it, it, you're so bad you're just so so sick and I had to go I mean I really didn't want, I, I didn't want to miss this so I, I was popping cold tablets like M&Ms and Benadryl and I'm chewing vitamin C tablets and somebody on this plane recommended actually when I landed somebody recommended Airborne now we won't talk about their whole drama right now with Airborne but at that time Airborne was working everybody was swearing by Airborne you got to get this Allison you got to get this so so I go to the hotel gift shop, and the, the, the conference is held at the Broadmoor in uh, Colorado Springs, Denver, Colorado, beautiful hotel, tiny, tiny gift shop, um, so, and it's uh, lined up, because, you know, the, the folks just came in, so I'm, I, I find the Airborne, I'm standing in line with all these people, and over here in the corner, this, this corner here, is Jerry Jenkins, Liz Curtis Higgs, and Robin Jones Gunn. Um, they're, they're speakers, they're all talking. And, you know, I just get really pumped up like a peacock because I know them. I'm thinking, oh, this is so cool. I'm hugging him and saying hello. I'm sick hugging him, which was kind of foolish anyway. Um, but I get back in the line, and, you know, I had this kind of, you know, how cool is this kind of an attitude? Well, this is a lesson that God really wants to teach me. You know, so I'm standing in this line, and, and I get up to the, and I hand in my, my credit card, and I buy my Airborne, and she takes my card and leaves because there's some glitch in the machine. Well, you know, I am so sick, I'm dying. I tear open this Airborne, I open it up, and I see these things that look like vitamin C tablets, and I pop one in my mouth. So people that are laughing, the people that aren't laughing are going, huh, what is that? Well, Airborne is like Alka-Seltzer. You put it in water. You don't chew this stuff. So I'm, so I'm standing there foaming at the mouth with Jerry Jenkins, like right here. Now, now, now let me tell you, how cool was I then? 
You know, so I'm, you know, God has a way of, of teaching us, you know, the lessons that, that we need to learn. You know, he's, and he's always using creative ways to, you know, to get my attention. Um, that it's, you know, that it's not about me. That it's about the lesson. That it's about the journey. That it's about the story. He's always using creative ways for me to better understand his word. What the word of God really means. How we actually apply that to our life. And to be able to share that with others. It's not about how cool we can look. It's not about how together we can have it. It's not about um, this persona of a happy-go-lucky Christian woman who's just like really got it together because I sure don't always have it together, which is an amazing thing for Christians to really start admitting. You know, as Christians, we've got the love of God and the love of the Lord, but we sure don't always have it all together. And and it's tough. And from those times when we don't have it all together, to be able to realize that God still has a plan for us in the midst of that mess, in the midst of all of that, that we, still, that we are still uh, children of God, that he has a plan for us. And sometimes, sometimes that plan for us includes an enormous amount of trial and tribulation and pain and anguish. And sometimes the guilt and the shame, this is what Pastor Kevin was talking a lot about in his living life, sometimes the guilt and the shame of our life and our choices is like almost, almost too much for us to bear. Pastor Kevin you know, referenced the classic book, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, in, his, in one of his series, and I don't think I know a pastor that's ever referenced Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. <laughs> Good man. And, I, and I'm listening, and it made such perfect sense, because he talked about the conflicting emotions um, that Dr. Jekyll and, and the Mr. Hyde personality went through, how, how eventually the sin of life cannot be controlled or hidden, even by another personality. Now, in the case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, there were clearly, you know, two distinct personalities. This is a story, you know, a, a very far out there story. But, but sometimes it's our walk as Christians. I think we can, you know, we can put on a whole different persona. We can put on another face of having it all together when in reality our lives are absolutely falling apart at the seams. But we come to church and we say, I know we, we get it all together and... And everything is okay. We just keep on keeping on. Pastor Kevin said, and I'm going to quote him, By nature we keep our morbid sense of shame to ourselves to hide our conflicting emotions. And he referenced Paul's words in the book of Romans I'm going to share with you. Romans chapter 7, verse 15. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. Paul was a mass of conflicting emotions. (laughs) Throughout scripture, he just, he he writes on and on about how he felt, he felt conflicted. He he walked in the darkness of conflicting emotions often and, and how he fought to overcome those. Pastor Kevin says that we don't get help or hope when we live in the dark. I love this series. This Living in the Light series was an amazing series. And there are many kinds of darkness. There's the darkness of not knowing God the Father and Jesus the Son. That ultimate darkness. Um, There's the darkness of knowing God. Believing in him and saying, you know, yeah, I believe in God. I believe in God. But not believing him. There's two different things. You can believe in God and still not believe in him, in his word. 
And then it's a darkness, that darkness of living in guilt and shame, fearful of revealing the truth, the real, you know, authentic who we are. That darkness of just, you know, if I really reveal that, man, I don't know. Somebody's not going to, to like me or, or God's not going to like me. You think God doesn't know? <laughs> you think he's not aware of what, you know, the walks that we've been on, the paths we've taken, the journey we've been on? I know all of those darknesses and then some. Um, as Pastor Carol mentioned, I lived the first 35 years of my life as a non-believer. I, I guess I really take that back. I, I was a believer, but I believed in New Age secular humanism, tarot cards, astrology, uh, Psychic readers, palm readers, uh, I, I mean, it was any new age, fad, religion, spiritual walk of the day, I was right there. I was right there ready to, 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 to embrace it with a zeal. I believed in everything except God. And I, and I look now and I think, how did I get that way? How did I get that way? And, you know, it, it was choices that I made. Now, my first book series is titled God Allows U-Turns. Those are, it's a compilation of true short stories of changed lives, how we turn around, how we can never be so lost or so broken that we can't make a choice to do something different, to turn around. And the subtitle of those books is The Choices We Make Change the Story of Our Life. The Choices We Make Change the Story of Our Life. Now, I know some of you are saying, well, you know, Allison, not all, you know, we don't always have the choices. Sometimes the choices are taken away from us. We don't always have a choice. And, and, and I realize that. Some choices are beyond our control. It was beyond my control when, as a really little toddler, just walking, my mom got spinal meningitis and got sick and had to be hospitalized. My parents were divorced. I was the middle child. <laughs> yes. See, I've got other middle children out there. Thank you. Um, I, I, but my parents got divorced, and my mom was very sick, and we went to foster homes while she recuperated in the hospital, almost died. It wasn't my choice that the foster home that my brother and I were sent to was a disreputable foster home. It wasn't my choice that when my mother got out of the hospital, they couldn't find us. And when they did find us, we'd been in an abandoned home for several days where I'd been locked under the stairwell of, a, of, a, of, a, of, a, of the stairs, locked up, um, beaten bloody, my eyes bloodied shut, my little baby toddler teeth gone, just battered, bruised, molested. My little brother was a, was, a, was a babe in arms, and he'd been laying in his crib in excrement for days. That wasn't my choice. I had no choice about, about that. That was taken out of my... It wasn't my choice that, that I grew up being deathly afraid of the dark. You know, that, that, that everywhere I went, you know, we had flashlights. You know, we, was, we came in at earliest because Allison couldn't be in the dark. That wasn't my choice. But what was my choice the older I got was how I... Well, you know what? Another thing that wasn't my choice... Um, God bless her, though. My mom did what a lot of parents do today when faced with really difficult things. You know what? If we just don't address it and just don't talk about it, it'll go away. If we just don't bring it to the forefront and just you know, walk around it and, and skirt around it and put it over here and deal with things, it'll go away. Well, it never went away. You know, I, don't, I didn't remember consciously what had happened to me. It took decades before I confronted my mother and, and learned consciously what happened to me. But I grew up making choices. I grew up making choices, to, you know, to create a fairy tale world, you know, where, a fantasy world where I, could, where I could live and be safe. And, and it was my choice at 15 to run away from home and get married to Prince Charming. Uh, the first time he hit me was the day we were married. 
I didn't know this man. I, I was so I was clueless. I thought that I, I developed this world where everything was going to be wonderful and 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 fancy, and, and he was going to rescue me. And and he turned out to be the most horribly abusive and violent man. I've had a, a knife at my throat, a gun at my head. I've had my hair pulled out by up the steps. I've been drugged up the steps. It was a nightmare. What what rescued me was getting pregnant. I was 16 years old, gave birth to my son, and got divorced in the same year. And I made the choice to be a single mom. I made that choice. And I made the choice to, to live a life totally void of faith. I, we moved to Southern California. I got involved in a very, you know, uh, I went back to school, got my GED, um, and moved to California with my son. And I traveled in a very wild social circle. I was working hard. I justified this. Um, I, if that wasp hits me, I'm, I'm out of here. You, you see him up there? Okay. Um, he's uh, a... <laughs> I traveled on this, in this wild social circle, and I raised my son to believe that there was no God. He watched me have this in, incredibly insane life, but I justified it all. I was working. I was paying bills. I, was, you know, I, was, I had it somewhat together. I, went, I had multiple relationships. I think I coined this, the phrase serial monogamy. And I thought it was okay to live with somebody as long as we were getting married. You know, I was engaged, 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 engaged. Um, I, I partied, I smoked a lot of pot, but I did it at night when my son wasn't around so he wouldn't know like he didn't know. You know, I, I was so open-minded, folks, that my brain slipped out. You know, it, 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 was, it was absolutely nuts. It was absolutely nuts. So I, I spent 35 years trying to navigate this journey, and I have absolutely, you know, no sense of direction. So I, I was pretty lost. And at the age of 35, when my son was just about to turn 18 and had already been in and out of, of juvenile detention centers... Run away from a runaway from school, from home. Um, he started at 13 years old. At 13 years old, this teenager was driving me out of my mind. Didn't know how to cope with him. 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. By the time he turned 18, he was almost an, an adult. He was sitting in juvenile hall. I had another breakup from another fiance. Uh, I took a walk that night and said, "You know what? This is a nightmare." This is a mess. My life, I'm, 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 it's not working. Something's not working. And I was out walking, and it was 7.25 on a Wednesday evening, and I will remember it for as long as I live, because I, there were people walking into a church. I hadn't been into a church other than a wedding. I'd never been to a church service. I didn't know a Presbyterian from a Lutheran from a Baptist. From a, I, I, I didn't know. I just saw people walking in, and I crossed the street on legs that weren't my own. And I saw a sign that said balcony, so it's cool to see a balcony. But I saw a sign that said balcony, I figured if I go up there, I didn't know if I was going to get kicked out, if I needed a, a card. I didn't even know what was going on at this church. So it's, it's a Wednesday night, and I walk, and there wasn't a soul in the balcony. Um, but, you know, God is so cool, because he, he just knew this drama queen needed a really creative way to, to reach me. So, you know, it, he brought me into this fabulous church, and I turned this corner from the balcony, and, and looking down onto this sanctuary that was, I mean, the whole church was amazing, the big arch and the stained glass windows, and, and and, and the statue with, of Christ with his outstretched arms. It was 18 years ago, and I still cry because I remember standing up there saying, Wow, okay, you know what, God? Um, if you brought me here and you can do something better with this messed up life of mine, please do it. Because I'm tired. I'm tired of my son and I'm out of trouble. I'm tired of these relationships. I'm just tired. I was just tired. And two, that was 18 years ago, two scripture passages became my... my uh, my foundation, 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. And Psalm 71.20, Though you have made me see troubles many and bitter, you will restore my life again. From the depths of the earth, you will again bring me up. God brought me up from the depths, and over time, uh, the trials and tribulations of the first 35 years of my life made sense. You know, 
see, box Kleenex always. <laughs> Excuse me. And I, and I found that God allows U-turns as a ministry to share my story. It, was an inter- it is an international ministry based on how God can take any mess and make it a ministry. My friend Michelle McKinney-Hammond says that every test is a testimony and every mess is a ministry. If you don't write anything else down, write that one. Stick it on your, on your refrigerator. Every test is a testimony. Every mess is a ministry. And I began to share the shame of my past choices. I began to share that, you know, the choices that kept me in bondage, the, the, the choices of, 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 of not confronting that, that domestic violence, the, of, of what happened to me as a little girl, the choices more than, of, more than once of abortion, because people, you know, told me it was my choice. I can do this. I began sharing the shame of, of those choices, the choices... Uh, the sin in my life, not the I mean, I just began talking about this. And I began to see firsthand how authentic vulnerability changes lives. It's not me. It's not my life. It's God working through me. It's God working through you. It's God working through the stuff that you go through in sharing that, how, how that authentic vulnerability changes lives. And, and through God Allows U-Turns, I began to see that my story of, of making mistakes and living a really messy life um, you know, began to help my brothers and sisters in Christ. In John 3, verses 19 through 21, it reads, This, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what he has done has been done through God. Pastor Kevin preached this whole entire series that the goal of a Christian life is to live in the light, to live honestly with others, no hiding, to let the power of God heal your life. Well, God more than healed me. I mean, it became, he, he, he healed me, but as he was healing me, it really became apparent to me that my adult son wasn't following on the same path of healing that I was. The older he got, the more entrenched he got in the world of drugs, alcohol, crime, Sin. He couldn't keep a job. He ran with the wrong crowd until he became the wrong crowd. He had more than one child out of wedlock. I have grandchildren I don't even know about. On and on and on that story went. And I, you know, I felt that he redefined what it meant to be a prodigal child. I, I mean, surely, surely this lifestyle that he was living, surely it was because of the mistakes that I made as a mother. The guilt and the shame and the blame that I carried was enormous. And I cry today because I know there are parents out there that think this. There's parents right now and grandparents that are sitting there saying, wow, man, you know, I've done everything I can. It's got to be my fault. I know that you can relate. Um, I know because countless grandparents and, and, and parents email me hundreds every week, hundreds. Now, we've come a long way in the body of Christ in admitting challenges in our lives. I mean, years ago, you never would have heard anybody talk about, you know, an addiction to alcohol or, or drug addictions or the financial challenges. Now we have major ministries dealing with all those things. Um, years ago, we didn't talk about abortion. And if one in four women has had an abortion, do the math in this room. You know, we've talked about now we have divorce care recovery. The list goes on and on in the Christian world, how, how we've grown. But we've... We have a long way to go when it comes to addressing the epidemic of adult children, of challenging adult children, of dealing with the never-ending drama and chaos and crisis of adult children. 
Pastor Kevin said that we have to get real, get honest, and get open about the sin in our life. Now, I made that U-turn that changed my life, but when it came to my relationship with my adult son, I was still in bondage. I declared all this massive freedom in Christ, and I was living this great life, and things were really cool. But, you know, when it came to my son, I was still in bondage. Every time I wrote a check to help him out, I was in bondage. Every time I rushed to get him into yet another rehab center. Every time I let him come home to a new set of rules that I would only break later on because I got, you know, for whatever reason, soft, guilty, blame, whatever. Every time that I allowed my personal boundaries to be trampled on because I thought this was the good Christian parent thing to do. Every time I did that, I repeated the same behavior and expected different results. And a lot of us know that's the, de- that's the definition of insanity. Repeating the same behavior and expecting different results. Hello. I didn't do that. <laughs> and God began to remove the scales from my eyes over time. And he began to show me the part that I was playing in this vicious cycle. That it wasn't. Always my son's choices. Yes, it was his choices, but it was how I was responding to them. You know, I got thinking, what about Paul? What would have happened if Paul's mom had said, no, young man, you are not walking that Damascus road. I am not letting you do that. I'm going to protect you. Who knows what's going to happen to you? What if Joseph's mom had followed all of her sons into the desert there and stopped them from selling Joseph into slavery? What if mom would have come in, you know, and all said, you know what, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to protect you. And what if Mary had tried to go to the cross on behalf of her beloved sons that she didn't want to hurt? And I began to understand that sometimes our adult children have to feel pain to do the work that God wants them to do. Along with us, I mean, we're feeling all this pain. I'm feeling all this pain thinking, man, I've got to walk through all this pain. and I'm learning and growing. But it never occurred to me, hello, that my son had to walk through a lot of pain and trial and tribulation too before he could become the person God wanted him to be. So I began new behaviors. This is not easy. I began new behaviors, new ways of coping. I began different choices because I was sick of living that insane life. And I began to live sanity. I began to live in a sane world. I developed six steps. I really walked this path of six steps to living in a a sane world. And I began to apply these things. And As I talked to more and more parents around the country as I traveled, I could see that these six steps were really needed by other parents, (laughs) Uh, that I needed to share how how I lived this. I'm going to go through these very quickly. It's an acronym for sanity, and it works whether you're dealing with adult children, whether you're dealing with whatever challenges you have in your life where you've got to change your behavior, you've got to do something different because it's not working, whatever it is isn't working, sanity will work. Sanity. S is stop. I keep saying, hello, if it doesn't feel good, stop doing it. You know, what? stop stop whatever it is that's causing pain. For me, I had to stop running from my past, face, face the choices I was making. I had to stop feeling guilty over my past choices. I had to stop enabling my son. I had to stop, I had to stop coming to his rescue. I had to stop God's plan for my son's life. I had to stop thinking that I was helping and learn that what I was doing was enabling, and they're two very different things. A is assemble a support group. I needed to be around other people. We have all these support groups I mentioned for all kinds of, of things. There wasn't anything out there for parents who were dealing with chaos and crisis and drama in their adult child's life. I developed a sanity support group 
We have sanity support groups all over this country. My prayer is that you'll start one here at your church, that you'll walk parents through this sanity, how to get sanity. Assemble a support group is A. And nip excuses in the bud. Nip our own excuses. And those of you that are, that, that are my age know, you know, Barney Fife. Nip it. Remember? Nip excuses in the bud. We have to nip our own excuses as well as our adult kids. And believe me, my son had a lot of them. It was never his drugs. It was never his problem. It was, it was always somebody else's. And it went on and on and on. I implement boundaries or rules or new attitudes. You know what? Talk is cheap. We can talk till the cows come home. Old farm girl here. So, yeah. But until we actually do something, and doing requires change, and, and it's sometimes painful. We actually have to implement, but to set new plans and new rules and, 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 and new actions. T is trust your instincts. Listen to the Holy Spirit, that still small voice. I've talked to parents that, you know, that, that have had their, their life savings depleted because they've had to pay for attorneys and court hearings to, to uh, free themselves um, because they became um, accomplices to their kids' drug dealing out of their house. I had a mom who's, you know, who's, who the police broke into her house and found a floor safe in her son's bedroom floor where he was dealing methamphetamine. And she said, you know, I just felt something wasn't right. Sometimes, you know, trusting that instinct, following that, doing something. And why, beyond a shadow of a doubt, the, the key in sanity is yield everything to God. Yield everything to God. When I realized that I was playing God in coming to my son's rescue all the time. When I realized that, things, things changed. When I realized that I couldn't stop his heroin addiction, I couldn't stop him from shoving needles in his veins no matter how much I wanted to. I couldn't stop him from running with the crowd he ran with. I couldn't stop the choices he made, but I could stop how I responded to it. I could stop how I would hand him over to the Lord. I, I, I could stop not handing him over. You know, I could start saying, you know what? God, you've got to take him. You've got, you got to walk him through this. You know, God never says it's going to be easy, but he does say he will restore us. Now, he took my life and turned it around. He, you know, he made, he made a ministry out of my mess, um, and he made a testimony out of my test. But I'm not alone. That's what he does with all of us. The Lord wants to use all of us. It's not just, this is not just Allison. It's all of us. We've all walked through some really challenging things. He, he wants to use parents of adult children who have been blaming themselves for years. Um, he wants to use you. He wants you to stop doing that. I feel this so strongly. He wants parents and grandparents to stop this cycle of chaos and, and crisis and hand these kids over to God and, and get support and help from, other, from, from those of us, you know, from others around us. Pastor Kevin has a desire for this congregation to grow and know what it's like to live an authentic life. That's his passion. You can tell that. Listen to his messages. He wants you to live in freedom. He wants, he wants you to live authentic and real. He's invited me to address this epidemic issue because it's an epidemic issue. It's gone so far beyond just, you know, the prodigal child. And, you know, it, this, you know we're, we are dealing with parents and grandparents who've lost, who are losing their life savings because they just can't afford rehab one more time. They can't pay their mortgage and their kids' mortgage and raise their grandkids and send them to... I mean, it, it, the cycle goes on and on and on. Living an authentic life is a process. It doesn't happen overnight. We peel off the layers of sin, sin, we admit mistakes, we stop feeling guilty and ashamed, and we start to become the people that God wants us to be. Pastor Kevin says this, and I'm going to quote him, God loves us and has created this process 
for us to learn what it means to strip away all the extraneous things that keep us hidden in the dark, that keep us from living in the light of God's truth and love. Now, I don't have all the answers when it comes to prodigal children, but I do know that God is in control. I know that he's using my life. I know he will use your life. I know he'll walk you through this. And I know the more we share, the more we heal. The more we get these things out of the darkness and come into the light, the better, the closer to God we get. I'm going to leave you with this scripture, Psalm 34, 17 through 19. The righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. A righteous man may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. He protects all his bones. Not one of them will be broken. Not one of them will be broken. And people always ask me what's happening with my son. My son is serving a four-year sentence in Stillwater Prison. I'm going to visit him in a couple days. I haven't seen him in a year. It's hard. It's a hard journey. But God doesn't say he's going to give us an overcoming life. God says he will give us a life when we overcome. His grace and his love and his truth is what is going to set you free, folks. God bless and keep each one of you. Thank you so much for having me here.